<laughs> totally normal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just gotta get it out of you, you know. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Okay. You know, end of the week. Well, sort of the end of the week. And yeah. Yeah. Except for your crappy job making you work on Saturdays. So dumb. Hopefully it's the last time. It's a full extra day, right? You're not like getting an extra day off elsewhere, are you? Well, I took Monday off instead this week. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's all right. I could have done overtime, but I um didn't want to work six days in a row. What are you eating? A steamed dumpling. Ooh, delicious. Yeah. That's what took forever. I went to pick up Chinese food on my way home. Gotcha. And traffic was stupid. That's annoying. Now I've had a dumpling and I am happy. Yay. Yeah. Dumplings are happy. They are. I love dumplings. Um, nom nom. Okay. Um, nom nom indeed. It's been a really busy week. Well, I finally am starting to feel like I'm like mostly on top of things for the semester. I've gotten myself into a routine. M- most of the week, I felt like I was constantly behind on everything all the time. And now, today, finally feeling caught up. And That's sweet. awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And now that I'm caught up, I think I should be able to stay caught up, too. That's amazing. Yes. I can't catch up on anything ever, and I feel like I'm drowning all the time. That's bad. <laughs> yes. That's okay. Do you need, do you need to talk to <laughs> talk to someone about that? I need to talk Besides to all audience? these strangers on the internet. <laughs> I meant like a professional. Maybe one of them is a professional, but maybe many of them are professionals. <laughs> probably not but, the way to find a But they can't talk therapist. back to you through a podcast. <laughs> I don't want any feedback anyway. I just want to, you know, throw this out into the void. That's fair. <laughs> no judgment. Yay. Mm-hmm. Are you drinking anything interesting? I'm drinking an Oktoberfest from Two Roads. I have a Free Wave IPA athletic non-alcoholic beer. Nice. Since I was drinking one of their, that that weird, like, what is it? Mango Knot or I don't remember oh, what it was. Yeah. But like the weird one that was like peppery. Yeah. I just finished one of those. It was good. Nice. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. I haven't visited my notes since I watched this. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Sorry. I It's what I get for delaying on you by a couple days, but I was feeling icky. Yeah. I have no excuse either. No. I'm glad you feel better. I do. I think it was just my flu shot reaction combined with starting a new medication. Still totally yeah. worth it to get the flu shot, though, because I would rather feel slightly under weather for a day or so than feel horrible for a week or more or you know die because people do die from the flu so flu shots woo yes indeed Ooh, and now i feel fine i am so happy for you thank you yeah um i'm happy for me yeah i'm happy for you because you got yours even before i did did. i'm gonna send you something but i have to try to remember what i called the file yes Ooh, is it a drop for something (laughs) maybe (laughs) 
Yay! <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I love when you send me drops on the rare occasion that you do. <laughs> the first, they kind of go together, so you may want to use one or the other, or neither in this case, because it might only be amusing to me. I frequently mash things together to make them into a single drop. Okay, let's see. There's the first one. The second one. Let's see if you recognize the second one, too. <laughs> Bloop. There's the first one. Bloop. <laughs> Gotta take a headphone off because my headphones are not connected to this computer that I am currently looking at. Of course I know what Holy Buckets <laughs> is. Holy Buckets, Peter. That is like my second favorite movie. No. But as soon as he said that, I was like, yes, that's the only other place I've heard somebody uh, say fantastic. Holy Buckets. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't pick up on that myself because I've seen that movie a million times. <laughs> oh, that makes me really happy. It's so good. <laughs> Yay. Uh, awesome. Now I'm listening to it again. Okay, I'm done. Jeff makes fun of me for my love of while you were sleeping and he hates it so much and it's like you know me and rom-coms yeah. I normally hate them but for something for some reason that one I just love that movie it's so, so much cute and the characters are so charming and they are yeah it's it's just such a nice movie I don't know now I want to go watch it again even though I probably saw it like a few weeks ago I think <laughs> well I watched like the end of it to you get this and then i was like i should go watch the whole thing again but i haven't done that yet <laughs> so good yeah anyway so aside from while you were sleeping what are we talking about today <laughs> today we're talking about stargate sg1 season 2 episode 18 18 18 serpent's song do you think apophis will be in it I'm pretty sure it's called he was. Serpent something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something having to do with Apophis, you know, but maybe maybe it's about some other herpetology. Yeah. Yeah. They just <laughs> actual herpetology. <laughs> they've gone in an entirely different direction for this one. Uh, spoiler alert. Snakes don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> we get another episode that starts out in space. The final frontier. A firefight is going on, there's a death glider that is flying off towards a planet, seeming to be fleeing some other larger space motherships of some sort. Then on a planet that we don't yet know if it's the same one or not, the team is hanging out by a gate in a desert. We, of course, can't assume it's a desert planet. It's just a desert where the gate happens to be. They really like to put these gates in deserts. <laughs> For reasons. Tilk is pacing around. Sam and Jack are sitting on the steps normally, and Daniel is lounging on the steps <laughs> in a strange position, I thought. It's very casual. <laughs> laying sideways, propped up on one elbow, feet together. Yeah. Just, I don't know, just seemed like a come-hither pose from Daniel. Apparently, they received a message from the Tok'ra with some coordinates, and so they went to those coordinates, figuring the Tok'ra probably wanted to meet them. But there is nobody here. Tilk wanders away from the gate and looks suspiciously up towards the sky, and there's ominous music. 
And we hear some sounds that sound like staff weapons or something similar firing off in the distance. And he sees a death glider coming in, being fired upon as it flies. He points it out to the others, and they all get up as though they're going to try to run and flee from it, but it just flies over their head and crashes before they actually even get the chance to run. They head up over the ridge to check it out, and there's debris and fire. Oh, four! I mean five! I mean fire! All over the place. And then we see Apophis. He's crawling and injured and wearing silver instead of gold for some reason. Holy cow. Ja- holy indeed, holy. but holy, holy buckets, holy. actually, yes. <laughs> is what Jack says. Holy buckets, Peter. And Apophis asks them for help. He does. And then we get credits. Yes. The rest of the team catches up with Jack, and they are all shocked. Shocked. To see Apophis. Shocked. 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 I can't go, well, well not, not that, that shocked, but I really want to every time I say shocked. shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here they're really shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Apophis says, Tauri, please. Tilk raises his weapon, and apparently Sam's pretty sure he's just going to shoot him straight up. So she says that he is worth more alive than dead. Tilk lowers his weapon. Apophis then points behind them, and they turn around, and there's a whole horde of death gliders coming for them. Yeah. So, like a lot. Yes, <laughs> a lot. A of lot. Them. <laughs> so they decide to get out of there, and they head back and open the gate. Tilk tells them that the gold want Apophis alive for some reason. Why would they be firing on him then? I don't. I don't know. It's... <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure on that. I mean, they had to get him out of the sky, but why are they still firing? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, he's already crashed. He's injured. Yeah. <laughs> and so they all go through the gate with Apophis. Yep. Firing. <laughs> firing their guns at the Death Gliders. Yes. Which yes. has always been shown to be so effective. <laughs> As they go backwards through the gate. <laughs> yep. It was weird. Yep. <laughs> it reminded me of a meme that I just sent to somebody on our social media of Homer going backwards into a gate <laughs> instead of backwards into a bush. <laughs> Homer's backwards is much more controlled than... <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, actually, we don't know. We don't see Homer come out the other side. Maybe he also, no, like, also true. flies back as he comes yep. through. <laughs> right. Could be. We still don't really understand why sometimes momentum is conserved and other times not so much. Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, that was the end of that scene. It was. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm <laughs> like... Just, just rambling. Don't mind me. Well, it, I mean, it, 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 it bleeds. <laughs> it was relevant. Yeah, and it, and it, yeah. shoot, it goes smoothly right into the next scene. Right. So, yeah. So, in the gate room, the team comes through with Apophis. There is no Homer Simpson with them, though. Unfortunately, that would make it a very different episode. <laughs> yeah. Hammond is also shocked. 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 Now to see the team bringing Apophis with them. Apophis demands sanctuary, and Hammond wants to know why. Jack tries to explain that the gold were just kicking his ass, 
out on the other planet that they found him on. So Apophis again de- demands sac- sanctuary. Again demands sanctuary on Earth. He should be more polite about it. He should. <laughs> right. Maybe if they maybe if he said please, they'd have been more amenable. Right. It is the magic word after all. Hammond orders to have him locked up rather than sent someplace comfy like Apophis probably would have preferred. But Dr. Fraser notices how badly injured he is and says he might die without immediate surgery. So Hammond does give her the go ahead because he would seem to understand the worth of Apophis to them. Hammond also orders some guards to keep an eye on him and says that if Apophis does try to make an escape, they are to do whatever they can and need to to stop him. In the infirmary, Apophis is being cared for. Dr. Fraser says that both his femurs were smashed and he had that internal sucks. bleeding. Yee. Also unfortunate. Yes. Do you think they give him replacement titanium femurs? I bet they do. <laughs> Jeff's got a titanium femur. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fully titanium femur. There's some trinium in there, too. Just a titanium and trinium (laughs) alloy-filled femur. (laughs) Precious trinium. So So they're doing what they can for Apophis. Uh, Teal'c says that the gold will repair his injuries. If only Jeff had a gold (laughs) hagfish back in high school. (laughs) But no, he had to, like, stay in bed for weeks. <laughs> and he's still got that titanium femur. Maybe Jeff should dress as a gold for uh, Halloween. I don't know why. Just for fun. Why not? Or a Jaffa. Yeah. We could draw a pocket on his belly. But, like, not yeah, he can't be, a hag like, the hagfish gold. He would have to be a host. Unless he <laughs> had a Sydney Opera House hat, in which case he could be Eminette. Mm. <laughs> Or is she the one with the opera house? Get, him some, get him some Mickey Mouse ears or satellite dishes for there his head. Go, and that's right. Then he's Apophis. <laughs> <laughs> then I can be Eminette with the Sydney yes. Opera House on my head. <laughs> this sounds like a great plan. I like yeah. this plan. <laughs> this is quite the tangent we've gone on. <laughs> Even for <Yes>. us. <laughs> anyway. Dr. Fraser shows them to a computer monitor where we see another lovely image of the gold inside somebody. But this time there's no scissors snipping it in half like <laughs> during Kowalski's surgery. Right. <laughs> that was Pepper. I was just about to say, who was that? Which Where's one it? said hello? Here. Give me your honey. Why are you howling? She does this now, and I don't know why. Here she comes. Hey, sweetie. Kitty. Say hi to the world, Pepper. Hi, Kitty. Come here, she already did. I know. She really did. <laughs> Bye, squishes. Okay, I'm going to... You can fit under here. There's a there's a, there's a, there's a cat-sized uh, gap at the bottom for cats if they would like to enter the hot box, but <laughs> they often don't, even though they like warmth. I don't know. Cats. Yeah. Cats are weird. Potato likes this closet that I am currently in. I don't like to let her in here because then she could get behind my screen where I have like a bunch of like old family heirlooms and stuff stored because it's like just one of those like wall dividing kinds of screens. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she could easily get past that 
Um, so I don't let her in here. But that is reasonable. Whenever she sees the door is open, she tries <laughs> to make her tries to sneak in here. Cats ding, love ding, an open ding, door. Naughty. She does. <laughs> she loves to be naughty. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Still your turn. <laughs> She's pointing out that the Gould has a bunch of lesions. Lesions. I almost said legions. <laughs> there are legions. They are legion. Yes. <laughs> Dozens, she said. She says that she can fix the human part, but not the symbiote inside. And Sam recognizes that Apophis has been tortured because she has a flashback to when Jolinar was murdered and she remembers the pain of being killed by the ashrak and explains that the same sort of sparkle bling was used on apophis but apparently not to kill him just to make him suffer yeah a little bit later on they establish that apophis is dying and won't live without a sarcophagus to heal his injuries they're just too severe for his hagfish to be able to repair jack wants to know what apophis wants and Daniel figures he really does want sanctuary and took a gamble that the Tauri would be compassionate. But Jack says the only compassion that he has for Apophis is not blowing his head off already. Tilk says that he has often seen formerly powerful Gua'uld seek sanctuary with other Gua'uld after being severely weakened. And he says that Apophis always took a ton of pleasure in seeing his former enemies in such a sorry state. And Sam points out that, well, we're not really conquerors, but Tilk reminds her that, that they did play a significant role in his downfall. I really enjoyed Tilk's very obvious pleasure in Apophis' pain. <laughs> it was so, like, just a small I smile it, almost. And Yeah, I, I was about to say, he. I, th- I thought he did such a good job for an actor who's not really allowed to emote much to play the character that he's portraying. I think he does a great job for really giving Teal'c a lot of emotion while still like barely making any facial movements. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I got the same idea. Like he was just gloating the entire episode and was so pleased. And yeah. you, it was only like the slightest facial movements that gave that away. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Yeah. So basically they come to the conclusion after a bit of going back and forth that probably Apophis really is there looking for sanctuary and help but that he surely also wants something for all of the information that he can give them. And Jack says, well, too bad. Let's just get whatever information we can from him and toss him to the sharks after that, no matter what he might want in exchange. But Hammond reminds them all that technically Apophis is a POW, and even though he's not actually from this planet, he still has certain rights as a POW. And Sam reminds everyone that they also need to consider the host, because no matter what the hagfish of Apophis has done, the host person himself might be completely innocent. Jack is pretty skeptical that anything of the host could have possibly survived, but Tilk's not so sure. He says Apophis would know that. He doesn't just write out, negate that possibility. So they continue to talk about what they should do with him, and long story short... They decide that they're the only thing between Apophis and his enemies, so they have the upper hand here. He's unconscious at the moment, so they can't really talk to him to get information anyway. Tilk is skeptical of this whole plan because he is convinced that no matter what, Apophis isn't going to cooperate anyway. 
everyone is dismissed, but Jack and Stan, Jack and Stan, but Jack and Sam stay behind, and Jack is pissed that they're not just gonna toss him back. She tries to talk to him, but Jack just leaves, saying that they should have shot him. He might be right, although mm-hmm. maybe not, depending on looking at how this episode goes yes (laughs) jack is at the observation area over the infirmary looking down on apophis when apophis wakes up jack announces this on the microphone in there to dr fraser so she goes to check on apophis she leans in to hear him and jack's like not so close and she points out he doesn't have the strength to hurt her and then she tells jack that apophis would like to talk to him Jack goes down to see Apophis. Apophis says, O'Neal, I'm dying. And Jack's like, my heart bleeds for you. <laughs> so sincere. Which Apophis points out, <laughs> he lies poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> yes. Like, yes, that was the point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Maybe, maybe, do the gold have sarcasm? Maybe they don't. I don't know. I I mean, like, Tilk is very literal, so I would guess that probably the Gu'ol themselves are also very literal. That could I be. mean, at least Tilk was more literal towards the beginning. He's a little bit less so now, but still yeah. pretty literal. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jack wants to know what Apophis wants. Apophis says he wants to live, and Jack's like, sorry, no. That's between you and your god. Wait a minute. You oh. are your own god. That's a problem. <laughs> Quite. Apophis points out that he is worth more than Jack is admitting. And Apophis (laughs) Apophis says that these primitive people on Earth will be destroyed. Jack's like, well, you're not up to it. And Apophis is like, it's not me. But he won't tell Jack who because he wants... Shocking. I know. Another another shocked shocked, shocked. shocked. well not, not that, that shocked in this case it is more appropriate <laughs> yes and another shock he wants another host what who'd have thought no and in exchange for a host he's willing to offer a whole bunch of knowledge power information about star travel and weapons and more ooh and Jack's like no. Well, he says go to hell, actually, but... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Pop is surprised to hear that a single human life is worth so much that Jack would risk his own world. And Jack's like, that's why they call us the good guys. And who is they, Jack? Who are these people who are calling you the good guys besides you guys? Because you're the only ones who know what you're doing. Ah. Right. Also, I'm not convinced in real life that anybody, especially in the military or higher up anywhere or... Really, even most of us that are not higher-ups would be willing to sacrifice the entire civilization of the world for one person. That's true. So Jack goes to leave, tells Fraser, let me know when he dies, and starts to walk away. I said that weird. You did? I don't I said he starts to leave, and then he's... Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Apophis, before he gets out... Apophis shouts, Sokar! So Jack turns back and Apophis explains that this is a very powerful gold who you humans helped become strong. That Apophis's last Jaffa died rescuing him from Sokar and Sokar will not rest until he finds Apophis. And that's why Apophis came here. 
because if he dies, uh, they will all die with him. That's <laughs> so shitty. Yeah, uh, he's the worst. He's so much the worst. Really so yep. Jack turns and leaves. <laughs> yep. Great. In Daniel's nerd lab, we get a transitional scene, with, which is a close-up of a skull sitting on a table, <laughs> like you do. And it pans over from the skull to Teal'c, who is telling them about Sokar. Apparently, he was an ancient Gua'uld, who used to be a ruler of all the system lords before being defeated by an alliance of Gua'uld. And that alliance happened to include both Apophis and Ra. They had all thought that Sokar was destroyed, but apparently they were wrong. <laughs> Jack says, well, how bad can he be then? And Tilk looks at him skeptically, but Jack assures him it was just a rhetorical question. <laughs> Daniel chimes in that Sokar was known on Earth too and was very much feared because he was the original god of death. Jack wants to know if he's got anything more recent than that and anything more up to date. <laughs> But Daniel does not, and just expands upon what he said before, saying that according to legend, he had ruled all of Earth, and Memphis was covered in dark and serpents, but I like nighttime and snakes, so that doesn't actually sound too bad no, to me. No, Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Tilk makes a reference to Unas, the first hosts, and I had thought that Unas was the name of that one particular first host. I didn't realize that it was a race of people but oh well that's what they're making it sound like here yes it's not just the yeah. one darth unas not not just darth unas i find your lack of faith disturbing daniel says that it makes sense that sokar would be an unas or part of the descended from the i don't know daniel says that makes sense and that if the unas were the first ones then there had to have been a time at some point when both forms of Gua'uld host coexisted, kind of like Neanderthals coexisting with people and Jack doesn't care and cuts Daniel off <laughs> and wants to know which type of being Sokar is. Is he Unas? Is he human? They never settle this. No. And it doesn't, I don't know if it turns up to Bounder later, but it doesn't seem to matter here. So Daniel continues to talk about the legend about him, about the underworld being full of lakes of fire and where the wicked were thrown as punishment. After torture and mutilation, even though that doesn't answer Jack's question at all. And Jack is like, so hell, basically. And Daniel's like, yeah, he was the original Satan. And then they get an incoming traveler alarm. And Jack says, speak of the devil. I did basically no research on Sokar. My apologies. <laughs> I, Quite all right. The only thing I did see that there is a Sokar and that... There is connection to Underworld and something about boiling yeah. lakes, not necessarily lakes of fire, but that's as far ah. as I got. Interesting. But Memphis, that's a thing. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah. So Not Tennessee. No. <laughs> You're not referring to Tennessee in this place. Has nothing to do with Elvis. No. <laughs> no. Hammond comes rushing into the control room. Crush Guy reports that nobody's currently off-world, so they close the iris. Good call. Mm-hmm. Armed men gather in the gate, prepared for whatever might happen. There was an oddly lengthy scene of them running through the hallway to get to the gate before that, too. There was! It... <laughs> That's the only reason I even wrote about it, because I'm like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Kate finishes dialing and SG-1 joins everyone in the control room. And nothing happens. <laughs> so Hammond's like, what was that? So Sam says they need to do a radiation check and Crush Guy is on wasn't it. Wasn't there a thunk? Oh, was there a thunk? I heard a thunk. I'm sorry. I missed the thunk. Yeah. Anyway, apparently there's a thunk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Hammond said, what was that? Not just like, what yes. the fuck was that? What is this? I <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So they're going to check for radiation. Jack wants to go back to interrogating Apophis. But Daniel's like, I'm the most expert here on SOCAR. So I would like to do the interrogating now. So Jack lets him. Way to brag, Daniel. Yeah, right? <laughs> Also, why can't they both go and talk to him? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Down in the infirmary, Apophis is bathed in a lovely blue light for reasons. It does actually have some medical purposes, but I wouldn't think that they would apply here anyway. But a Daniel comes in and asks a nurse if Apophis is conscious, but Apophis tells Daniel to come. Daniel's surprised that Apophis knows him. Which is weird because they've met before. It is weird. <laughs> and Apophis points out that they have Aminette in common also. Daniel angrily points out that she is in fact Charay, his wife. And Apophis is like, nah, they're one and the same now anyway. Daniel wants to know where she is, of course, but Apophis isn't giving anything away, but talking about how much he still loves her. Daniel really doesn't believe that. But Apophis continues teasing him about how great and powerful they were together and what good times he had with Aminette. Then Daniel turns the tables here and says he knows where Apophis's son is, and Apophis is not amused anymore when he hears this. Daniel tells him that he is even the one that delivered the kid, and Apophis tries to argue that no, the baby was taken by Heru Ur, and Daniel's like, nope, by me. That's right. It was a pretty badass scene. Second, <laughs> Apophis. <laughs> so Apophis is really angry here, but says that he has no use for the kid now anyway. What a good dad. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, I don't think he was going to use the child for good anyway, but... <laughs> no, didn't he want him to use the kid as the yeah. host? But I guess first the problem of finding him, and second, probably he'd be too young still for Apophis to want to use him as a host or to even be able to use them as a yeah, host actually. Can they take matter. children as hosts? What would happen? I don't think so. I thought that they had to be like 12 or 13 or however old it was that Ryak was going through the ceremony. But that was for the the Jaffa, but what about the gold? Can they like... Oh, that? right. I don't yeah, know. That's a good point. I don't know. I would still think that they would have to have a certain level of maturity, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe the can the Gua'uld hagfish speed up their maturation rate? Who knows? Somehow? I don't know. So many questions. So many questions that we never get answers to. Yeah. So Apophis says that he has no use for the kid now anyway, and then goes back to teasing Daniel about Aminette and saying that he knew that she was going to be the perfect vessel for his queen. Daniel threatens to kill him right then and there, but Apophis says that, well, you're not going to find her then, essentially. And also he doesn't believe that Daniel has the strength or the will to be able to kill Apophis. Sam comes in and breaks up this whole fun party that's happening and calls Daniel away. <sighs> yeah. She yeah. calls him away because they've discovered that 
the radiation was the very special radiation that only exists in the box they <laughs> give to their friends. Iridium only exists in those special Sagan boxes and nowhere else in the universe. So they know it's probs the Tokra. Yep. There is an incoming traveler. And they're back in the control room. There we go. That's yes. important. <laughs> Hammond wants to know if Sam is sure about it being the Tok'ra, and she's gives her Sam is a scientist kind of answer, where yeah. she's like, she's pretty sure, or she knows that it's the right radiation, but no, because you can never know who really it came from, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's right. It's just. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was the box, yeah. but maybe, maybe someone else got it. Yeah. She also doesn't think that the Tok'ra would have given up anything about them if they'd been captured. Jack's on Sam's side, so Hammond is like, cool, let's let them through. And we get three Tok'ra walking in, including Martooth with his big white chompers. Dazzling white teeth. <laughs> They're just They're so beautiful. Glorious. I bask in their glow. Right? <laughs> so good. Put you into a hypnotic state. Right. Just stare at them all day. Oh, man. <laughs> Just his teeth. Just the teeth themselves. I mean, he's attractive also, like, yeah. his face, but, like, his teeth. They're just, they're hypnotic. Yeah. So down in the gate room, Jack and Sam go to meet the Tok'ra, Martooth and the two randos that he's brought with them. Uh, Tok'ra wardrobe watch. Martooth is wearing pants. The other two are not, but they are wearing longer shirts that are more equivalent to, I would say, maybe a scant rather than just a long shirt. So it seemed less weird to me that they weren't wearing pants. <laughs> Thank you for keeping up pants watch because I forgot about that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're very well. So distracted by the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Can't blame you, though, because they're really distracting. They're just so bright. <laughs> Apparently, Jacob was too busy to join them, but Martooth says he's only there for a quick visit anyway to give them a warning. Apparently, Sokar and the Tok'ra know that they have Apophis as a prisoner here on Earth, and they need to return him to the planet that they found him on right away. We got a quick shot of Teal'c observing from the observation area, Apophis. Yep. End of scene. <laughs> That's it. In the conference room, Martooth is laying down some compliments on the SGC that Hammond kind of eats up. <laughs> like, yeah, right? He's like, yeah, you had great skill taking Apophis yeah. away from Sokar. <laughs> and Hammond's like, yeah, yeah we are great. We are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack cuts him off, though, and is like, we didn't really do that. Martooth is confused because he says that there were Tok'ra operatives that saw that were a part of Sokar's fleet. fleet. There we go. Yeah. And saw them leave the crash site and go through the Stargate. And Sam explains that they were there because they thought they were meeting the Tok'ra. Jack tells him they assume it was Apophis who sent the signal. So they were kind of fooled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Then Lantash uh, comes out to play <laughs> with his resting hagfish voice and asks why 
why he would take refuge. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Cook it. <laughs> why he would come to Earth because he hates the Tauri. <laughs> and they have nothing of use for him. And Jack's like, he's going down and wants to take us with him. So Lantash is like, he's taking advantage of your weakness. Sam's like, we don't consider it a weakness. Lantash then calls them fools and tells them they need to turn Apophis over to Sokars and then Sokar might spare them. And that would be convenient. Yes. He says if Apophis stays, everyone's going to die. If not by Sokar, then by other hagfish who want to take Apophis down. And he says, you have entered a battle you're not equipped to fight. <laughs> and they've changed the balance of powder and made them things worse for themselves. That sounds about right for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a race of people, yeah. yeah. Humans, humans are really good at making things worse for ourselves. Making big stupid mistakes <laughs> that just shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hammond wants to know what happens if they turn Apophis over to Sokar, and Lantash says they'll eventually execute him. He, he's like, surely you welcome this. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Fraser tells Lantash that Apophis is dying and his body is in, is aging at an increasing rate. Which Lantash is like, of course, without a sarcophagus. I'm going to stop doing that. Rrr, cookies. Why? I don't know. Cookies. I'm not doing it low enough. Oh, my. Now I want cookies. Oh, I wish I had cookies. Yeah. I didn't even get fortune cookies. <laughs> I do have some ice cream, but that's not cookies. It is not. (laughs) Hammond's like, we might still learn something from Apophis. And Lantash is like, you're too primitive for any of the info to be useful, which is super (laughs) harsh, dude. Uh, Harsh, but true, though. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, he's not wrong. No. He's harsh and he's frustrated because he's like, why don't you understand how dangerous this is? And he says that the Tok'ra cannot protect Earth, and you can't expect them to. And Jack's like, we don't. And then Lantash says that Apophis' overconfidence was his failing, and mm-hmm. hope it's not yours too. It's just like when Luke Skywalker told the Emperor his overconfidence was <laughs> his exactly weakness. <laughs> we live in the same space your faith in your friends is <laughs> Lantash has now said his piece and Martooth is back smiling that bright smile everything's better now that we can see his teeth again yes. so we do as he asks immediately forgive Lantash for his passionate opinions I don't know if anyone else does but those teeth really they just how can you yeah. not right <laughs> So Martooth says he can't force them to do anything, but they want to see Apophis since the humans are not convinced of the danger for, or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then there's a hard cut to the infirmary. There is. <laughs> like you do. Down in the infirmary, Dr. Fraser is injecting some morphine into Apophis's IV. She says it's to ease the pain from his torture and his withdrawal symptoms from the sarcophagus. Martooth refers 
to him as her prisoner, but she corrects him, no, Apophis is my patient. Martooth wants to speak to Apophis, but all he does is yell for Aminette and scream in pain. And then in a normal human voice, he suddenly starts speaking a completely different language that Daniel recognizes as ancient Egyptian. So apparently this is the host, the actual host of Apophis coming out for the first time. Jack tells Daniel to talk to him. And Daniel's like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) But you speak the language, at least be like, hey, hi, friend. Like something, anything, anything comforting. (laughs) You're, uh, well, I guess you're not really safe, but like, you know, we're looking out for you, buddy. Uh, You got friends here, something, but no. So the host, formerly known as Apophis, looks completely horrified and then passes out. Daniel talks about how it must have been a nightmare to be trapped inside your own body for thousands and thousands of years. And Dr. Fraser's like, well, everything's fine now because he's going to be out for a while. Martooth wants to leave, but Sam recommends that they stay so that they can question Apophis together once he wakes back up. And then there is yet another incoming wormhole that nobody was expecting. Nobody expects wormholes. In the gate room, men have gathered with their weapons ready again. Yep. The iris stays shut. We hear some banging against the iris. I did hear it that time. <laughs> there was a lot of there it was. this time. So if you had missed it, I'd be worried about your hearing. Yeah, I mean, my hearing wasn't ever great to begin with. So, <laughs> so Martooth is like, Sokar found you. And Jack says, how? And Martooth says that their symbols are well known among the hagfish. (laughs) Why? I I assume it's the symbols to Earth in that it's so everyone knows where Earth is. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I guess, I mean, I I guess Tilk has mentioned that, like, the Tauri were, like, a a race of legend. True. So maybe that has to do with it. I don't know. Is it, is it like that planet that he was telling them about before where everybody has to memorize the symbols of that planet that they were never supposed to go to? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but this is the one in, they need to know this one in case they have an opportunity to just destroy the entire Earth. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jack says the iris will hold and Sam takes a moment to explain to Martooth how it is a trinium titanium alloy three, what is it, micrometers? From no, she says a few microns, few microns micrometer and microns yeah, are the whatever. same thing. I don't think she's specified uh, how many. I think in the past it was three. Then maybe that's where I'm putting that. But anyway, uh, yeah. it won't let matter reintegrate. Right. But then Tilk notices something seems to be appearing, although the iris is still close. And then there's some reddish looking radiation something fluctuating on the iris. <laughs> it kind of looks like a face. Sure. At least eventually it will sort of look like a face. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so Martooth thinks that tiny amount of space between the iris and the wormhole is enough for particles of high energy to actually reintegrate. And so Sam's like, they're shooting a particle accelerator at the wormhole. She explains things, something about subatomic particles yep. decaying, blah blah science. Right. Physics, science <laughs> yeah, that physics. I don't get either. So she says something about Sokar maybe being able to create an actual image. And we do sort of get then like a wavy face almost. <laughs> oh, no, not a picture. 
I know. So threatening. Ah. And then we hear a, <laughs> an image and a voice <laughs> addressing the people of the Tauri. <laughs> You've taken what is mine and you will be destroyed for it. <laughs> Crush guys says yeah. the iris is heating up. And Hammond asks how long they can keep this up. Sam says, well, the longest that has been sustained is 38 minutes open wormhole that was so many words not into a complete sentence and even saying that was not really (laughs) coherent either close enough close enough (laughs) and once it goes off daniel says they can just dial it up and do it all over so hammond runs off to call his bestie prezi (laughs) sam asks martooth if there's anything he can do to help him martooth he's already told them that he can't help them but he also seems to not even actually have any kind of clue how to like stop this anyway (laughs) it just seemed weird to me that she was asking for help like what maybe a half an hour after he was already being very emphatic about the fact that they could not help (laughs) i know (laughs) so jack tells sam to go see apophis to see if he has any ideas to help them since it's his neck on the line too and teal goes with her Right. Yeah. Dr. Fraser wasn't too specific about how long Apophis would be out, so hopefully it's not that long. Hopefully not. Just long enough yeah. for the uh, the plot to get going <laughs> again when he wakes up. I don't know. Right, exactly. Because apparently he is awake when they get back to the infirmary. <laughs> he's not looking so good. And he says he's not going to speak to the Shilva in indicating Tilk. Sam tells him about what's going on in the gate room about the the particle beam being fired at the iris and wants to know how to stop it. And Apophis tells them, "Eh, no, there's no defense. Sucks to be you. Tilk says he's lying. Sam asks how he would know that. And Apophis said that it was used against him. And so that's how he knows that there's no way to stop it. Then he also says the pain returns. So Sam goes to get Dr. Frazier and Tilk gives her his kindly little gentle smile as he nods his head and she walks off. But then his face is overcome by as much of a sneer as we ever see on Teal'c's face, since, as we said before, he doesn't emote a whole lot, but just tiny little changes can say a lot for him. He approaches Apophis and says he's waited many years for this moment, and Apophis pretty much tells Teal'c he's being dumb because Teal'c hasn't won. He's about to die, too. But Tilk says he doesn't really care because his people will be free and he is already free. Apophis tries to argue that once the various Gua'uld hagfish that are acting as symbiotes and maturing in the Jaffa get old enough, then they're going to need hosts. And Tilk's like, yeah, well, we're just going to keep stealing your babies and then using them until they're too old and then throwing them away. I don't know why I'm laughing. Sorry. <laughs> That was inappropriate response to what is happening. I apologize for being a terrible monster. I'm also a terrible monster because it was an amusing scene. So basically, Tilk says that they're going to be using his kind as his kind have used them. And he also says that his people don't really even believe in Apophis anymore or fear him anymore. Apophis is actually getting very upset about all of this. He's lost his poker face and asks to be killed right then and there, as he's screaming no to all the things that Tilk is saying. Dr. Fraser comes in and tries to give him some more morphine, but Tilk's like, no, don't come any closer. 
we need to let him suffer because he's not going to tell us anything if we don't let him suffer first. Dr. Fraser is pretty incensed by that and is insistent that Teal'c move. And Apophis reminds Teal'c, there was a time when you'd die for me. <laughs> Teal'c gets in super close, right in his face, and says, that time is no more. But Teal'c does leave so that Fraser can give him the morphine. Sam is still trying to figure out a way out of their situation and is remembering their energy shields that, that absorb energy. Apophis tries to sit up to get in her face, but the, there's apparently a collar and a chain around his neck, keeping him from being able to sit all the way up. Apparently, Apophis can sense the former presence of a Gould within her. And I noticed here in particular that the makeup team did a really good job with making Apophis look old and sickly. They did. Like, his face had almost a skeletal appearance. Like, he almost just looked like a skull with skin on it, almost. Even though, like, when we've seen him in the past, he he's not that, like, he's not like a larger person, but he's not like excessively skinny when we've seen him before. So I thought it was really interesting how they were able to progress his makeup in such an effective way to make him look just worse and worse to the point where he looks skeletal. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. A plus. Yeah, right. (laughs) Good job, makeup team. So Sam asks if he can help them or not. And Apophis is like, well, you will make an excellent host for Sokar's new queen. Like, that's his choice. Come on, Apophis. Right? (laughs) Should Sam be complimented that Apophis assumes that she'll be... I don't know. Chosen? (laughs) Like, you're you're pretty. Maybe he'll choose you for horrible enslavement and a life of mental torture. Won't you be lucky? Right? (laughs) In the gate room, Sergeant Siler and his team are in some kind of radiation suits and hosing down the iris to try to keep the temperature down i think they were just heat suits oh okay i don't know know anything about i don't either i don't know things heat suits whatever i don't have to worry about that kind of stuff in my line of work or gloves sometimes goggles and a mask and that's about (laughs) it i should say all the time a mask these days and then sometimes goggles i don't have anything actually i mean i just wear a mask at work but that's not anything (laughs) <laughs> anyway yes it is it's actually we had a conversation in my class the other day because i once again told them all get your masks up Ugh. and one of them one of my nursing students right in the front row i was like yeah but does it really do anything and i was like yes actually it does and here's why i won't go into that whole tangent here what do you mean masks are the devil unmask the kids <sighs> nope no nope. vaccines nope. are evil no nope. i hate I'm you done now need a new host Kathy's fired, and um, so if you are interested in the position, please let me know. <laughs> yes. So Hammond was down there checking on that work, but he leaves to go to the control room. And up there, Jack tells him that Daniel has an idea. And Daniel says they need to try dialing out to prevent Sokar from dialing back in again once the wormhole closes. Why didn't anyone think of that before? I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, great idea. But, like, they've done that before. I don't know. So Hammond's like, good idea. (laughs) Yeah. So the gate hits its 38 minutes and closes down. Jack orders the dial-in. They start the dial-in, but they're not as quick on the draw as Sokar is. Not nearly. Crush Guy apologizes and then says the next window won't be for another 38 minutes. 
And Daniel says that could be our last chance to dial out. Jack's like, gonna get hot. And they all look pretty warm already. They do. Later, Hammond says the temperature in the gate room is 130 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) So the gate must be close to uh, six to eight times that. I noticed here that the usually lovely reflection of the the wormhole or the, the puddle on the wall, which is usually a nice relaxing white or bluish color, is now an angry glowing red color. Yeah, it's got stripes like those peppermint candies. Oh, peppermint candies. Yeah. Delicious. The pillow ones are best, Ooh, even better than yes. the starlight mint ones, yeah, in yeah, my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Martooth says that even if he can't get through the iris, then Sokar is going to come by ship anyway. This is a pretty convincing argument. Sam agrees with them and says that they need to turn over Apophis, but they discuss the fact that they can't turn over Apophis if they can't dial out to put him back on the planet that they got him from. Hammond apparently has been given orders to terminate any medical intervention for Apophis, which Dr. Fraser is pretty pissed off about. But the president and the Joint Chiefs of Staff don't really care. So, uh, you know, his orders are his orders. They're going to send Apophis' body back through the gate once he finally dies. Teal'c ask, asks Martooth if that will be good enough. And Martooth says that it might be too late. But because the battle is really between Harrower and Sokar, and they don't really care about the Tauri, then maybe... Apparently, Sam's been working on a way to dial the gate even faster, yet again, which I think is also (laughs) what happened the last time that they found themselves in this predicament. And there's apparently only about 17 more minutes until they'll get the chance to try to dial out again. So Hammond orders arrangements to be made for Apophis's body, or alive or dead, whatever the case happens (laughs) to be in 17 minutes, to be sent through the gate. And Dr. Frazier looks very displeased with that. Jack goes to see Apophis and tells him they're sending him back. Apophis looks extremely fearful and then speaks in Egyptian, so it's not Apophis, but the host. So Jack orders them to get Daniel down there. What do you think his name is? George? George? Bob. Bob? Maybe it's Fred. Hmm. Alan. Hmm. <laughs> Alan. That's good. Alan, yeah. the ancient yeah. Egyptian man. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> Then we get a quick cut to them still hosing down the gate, but Hammond cannot keep them in there much longer because it's way too fucking hot. Did we specify that they're hosing it down with liquid nitrogen before? I don't remember if we mentioned Oh, that. no. I Probably relevant. had no idea it was liquid nitrogen. It <laughs> said nitrogen on the canister. I just, I didn't read it. I just assumed it was water. I'm sorry. I was completely unobservant. Okay. <laughs> That makes way more sense than water, which would have just been like, yeah. (laughs) Sam says they need to stay in there until they get their next window, though. In the infirmary, the host is speaking in in Egyptian while Daniel listens. He looks super sad. The poor guy. Daniel translates that... He says he's been in an unending dream and had hoped to awaken to see his wife and children. Daniel continues to translate as Alan speaks. (laughs) Poor Alan. I know. He says the scribes in the temple of something. A moon. A moon. And something about the temple of Karnak. 
Oh, he was a scribe. Okay. He was a scribe yes, okay. in the Temple of Amun is what I got. Before the nightmare. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and now he only awakens to die again. Daniel then speaks to him in Egyptian and it seems to calm him down a bit. Daniel tells the others that he told Alan that he will speak <laughs> the words of power and do the rites and return him to Egypt to be buried with honor and see his family again. And they will rejoice forever. So he leaves to go take care of that. And I actually, I feel like this was a really good, like, making up for his, like, I don't know what to say last time. He did did a good job here. He's very compassionate. (laughs) and Yes. Quite agree. What do you want me to say? Okay, I'm done. (laughs) You're the only one that can talk to him, Daniel. (laughs) Say anything. Literally anything is better than nothing. (laughs) In the control room, Lieutenant Crush is concerned that the heat is going to destroy the computers, but Sam points out that they still need those computers because that's how they're going to try to dial out. Back down in the infirmary, Alan's eyes glow, so he's back to being Apophis, but he still asks for help. Jack tells him no. Apophis asks for a host. Jack still says no, and then still as Apophis, he actually admits to being afraid and then seizes in pain. Dr. Frazier says that the hagfish just died. I don't know how she knew that, but she did. And somehow the host is still alive. So all we got left now is Alan. Down in the gate room, the wormhole finally closes and they start to dial out. In the infirmary, Daniel begins the ritual. Gate room, they dial. Infirmary, ritual, gate room, dialing. Finally, Chevron 7 locks in place. And we have our usual... Beautiful blue wormhole established. Hammond orders the iris opened. Down in the infirmary, Daniel puts a shroud over Alan's face. And Tilt comes down and says that they've established the wormhole. He sees the shroud in place over Alan slash formerly Apophis's body. Comes over and moves the shroud just to take a good look. Down in the gate room, Tilk carries Alan's body fully wrapped in a burial shroud, up to the wormhole, slowly passes it through as everyone looks on somberly, and then the gate closes. Dr. Fraser leaves looking super pissed off. Basically, all they can do at this point is wait. Sam says that if Sokar really wanted Apophis alive, maybe he'll just attack again, and Martooth is like, Nah, it's fine. They've got a sarcophagus. They'll just bring him back to life and then torture him to death all over again and repeat infinitum. (laughs) And everyone looks really disturbed at this. While Martus is like, what? He deserves it, right? (laughs) Cultural differences. What are you going to (laughs) do? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What about poor Alan? I feel bad for Alan. I know. In the control room, Martooth has given them the coordinates to send him and his companions through the gate and he also gives them a device to contact them instead of doing this don't call us we'll call you nonsense (laughs) Daniel recognizes the technology as Tolan which Martooth confirms they are friends of the Tolan and the Tauri I've got two friends I'm Martooth In 
return, Jack hands them one of their GDO devices that they use to put their codes in so that the iris opens and they don't go splat when they come back. <laughs> Sam leads him off to show him how it works. And Kevin's like, let's send him home. They dial the gate. Martooth joins the other Tokra in the gate room to go home. The end. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy, what did you think of this episode? I actually thought this was a really good episode. Yeah. I, it was really like, it was just a solid episode all the way through. It was really satisfying for them to kind of get this end of Apophis that they were kind of robbed of when they blew up his ships. And, right. And, <laughs> but even at the end, though, it might not be the end of Apophis. So I, right. and then I thought that there, again, Teal's facial acting in this was extraordinary i feel like this is yes <laughs> yeah this has been a good couple of episodes for christopher judge's uh acting mm-hmm. which i've yeah really enjoyed and then i really liked the compassion daniel showed towards the apophis's host because even though daniel was so angry and wanted to kill apophis he still recognized that this guy had nothing to do with that and gives him right. a good send off as best he could which i thought i really Mm -hmm. liked all of it like yeah (laughs) yeah what about you i yeah i also really enjoyed the episode as i mentioned before i was really impressed by the makeup team in particular with the job that they did of convincingly aging the actor that plays apophis because you know often old makeup meant to look make someone look older looks really fake but The, the way that they did it gradually and, and actually made it convincing, I was quite impressed by the job that they did with that. As we were already talking about before, yeah, Tilk did a great job with displaying so many different emotions while still limiting how his face actually changed when yeah. he was expressing those emotions. So that was really impressive uh, as well. I thought that it was a really great storyline and it was a satisfying ending for the most part, but then it's just like there's that dark little twist, which was just... Like, literally kind of gave me shivers, and it's, like, a horrifying thing to think about. Like, maybe Apophis might deserve something like that, but, you know, the host doesn't. And then even as bad as Apophis is, like, does he still really deserve to suffer for all eternity? Maybe. And, yeah, it's just a just a weird, a weird, weird twist at the end yeah. for Martooth to point that out. Speaking of Martooth, I like him as a character. Yeah. And his teeth are beautiful, as we've yes. already said many times. Um, was there anything else I had wanted to say about this? I don't think so, but let me just scroll through. The pants watch was the thing I really wanted to most make sure I mentioned, <laughs> and I did mention that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> pants watch. Pants watch 2020. 2021. <laughs> it's the 2020. I know what year You it did. Is. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's great. One thing I was wondering about that I forgot to mention before, though, is like, you know, Tilk is so happy now that his people are going to be free. But what would stop Sokar or Heru, or for that matter, from going and trying to take over the planet now that Apophis is out of the way? So I don't know why he would just assume that now that Apophis is out of the picture, they're all going to be fine. Maybe he was. I hope he's right. Yeah. But I don't know. And I don't remember. Maybe he was just taunting Apophis. Also, another interesting question this brought up for me. Yes, he could have just been taunting Apophis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good episode, all around. Agreed. 
So what's next? What is next? Hold on one moment, please. Nope. You're on hold. You're on hold. Now you aren't anymore. I'm back. Welcome. My mouth was full of beer that I almost snorted out my nose. <laughs> Too bad we don't have video of that. <laughs> I guess we could start doing video for all of our podcasts. Oh God, you don't want to. Rather than just the one special one. That would be horrifying. That we've done video for. That would be like. It was horrifying? No, no. I said it would be horrifying to, have to oh. like, worry about that all the time. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a hassle. Not awful, but I had all kinds of wires and cables going everywhere, and it was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but worth it. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we will be watching Stargate SG-1, Season 2, Episode 19, One False Step. Jehovah starts with an I. Jay. <laughs> The Netflix says, sent to recover a crashed UAV plane on another world, the team discovered those living on the planet are friendly, gentle, and far simpler than humans. Okay. Hmm. Or from the booklet. On a routine reconnaissance mission, the SG-1 team discovers a new friendly life form. But the encounters turn deadly for the new race because of a virus SG-1 inadvertently introduces. Can SG-1 develop oh. a vaccine before this plague eradicates a peaceful civilization? Oh, oh no. no. That sounds awful. Too close to home with the pandemic and also too close to home with the history of this nation. Yeah. Oh, no. I believe I recall this episode, so. I don't really, but it sounds awful. <laughs> Looking all forward right. to that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for all of you coming back next week, right? <laughs> You'll all be back next week, right? Remember, we love you. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that reminds me, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. <laughs> Our episodes are out every Monday on any podcatcher of choice, as well as YouTube. And we always love reviews and likes because they help other people find the podcast. And word of mouth is also great. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at stargatesing. If you're feeling generous, you can join us at patreon.com slash stargatesing for access to our extra bonus episodes like outtakes episodes and our Stargate Origins episodes. And I try to make a behind the scenes post at least once a month, frequently more than once a month. And you can check out our website, at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end! No. Jack is standing in the opposite. Let <laughs> not laugh through this. <laughs> Jack! <laughs> He's standing! <laughs> He's standing over Kathy and I have decided to start doing laughter yoga while we teach, while we do our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Apophis wakes up! <laughs> <laughs> The 
difference. Weirdest episode ever. <laughs> the difference between a Wednesday and a Friday, I guess. I don't know. Right? I know. 